Thank you for joining us today. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined today by our principals, uh, Principal Heinze and our assistant principal, Mr. Kranz. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Good. Enjoying the weather out there? It is very unusually warm. Isn't it amazing how 32 can feel so good? <laughs> yeah, compared to negative something, it's yeah, definitely we've had a the last change. few weeks. Yeah. Now I needed the sun to get here and... We got ourselves a pretty good January. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Spring is here. Can we announce that already? On uh, January let's 24th. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Well, thanks a lot, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, our brief devotion we're going to focus on today comes from the book of Philippians. We've been working through this week by week. Today we are going to do Philippians chapter 1. We're going to do verses 12 through 14. Paul writes, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So maybe I'll just start by introducing the the idea of what, what has happened to him. We've kind of talked about this in the last few podcasts as well, but uh, this is one of, Philippians is one of Paul's prison epistles. So Paul's famous for his three missionary journeys. This is after all that. After his third missionary journey, he went back to Jerusalem. There he was arrested, spent a few years in Caesarea, ends up going to Rome after he appeals to Caesar, and now he's under house arrest in Rome. And there in Rome, he's waiting for his moment uh, before Caesar. So uh, he, he's going to testify before Caesar. He's going to be put on trial before Caesar for his, his uh, conviction in the gospel and for the arrest that took place in Jerusalem. And they really have nothing on him. There's, you know, He wasn't promoting... Uh, uh, an earthly king. He wasn't promoting rebellion against the Romans. Um, so it's pretty evident he was not going to be convicted by Caesar, but because he appealed to Caesar, now that had to happen as a Roman citizen. So now he's in Rome under house arrest, but he's still able to do a lot of the, the work of the ministry that uh, that uh, he was normally doing, just he wasn't able to leave the house. And so people were able to visit him. He was able to write these letters, obviously. And so he's writing to the Philippians. He's saying, all this stuff has happened to me has actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Um, so maybe do you want to expand a little bit on how could being placed under arrest, how could all these, you know, we'd think, wouldn't that hinder the gospel? How did this further the gospel? If Paul strikes me as a go-getter. Uh, just, just traveling, going around all over Asia Minor and Europe. So it must have been interesting because I think he expresses another epistles that he wants to go to Rome. He's eager to go to Rome and share the gospel. Yeah, in Corinthians especially. Yeah. Probably not what he expected mm-hmm. uh, or the method of going to Rome, which is interesting. Uh, and it's just, you know, it, it is a small testament to his resilience and perseverance for the gospel and his eagerness. But I think it speaks more to how God uses us in different ways. Like both Paul and God's wills are aligned that he needs to go to Rome. But in just the method that happens is Clearly, God reaching in and making it happen this way so that, yeah, and then we got these prison epistles, these letters, these, you know, incredible sections of scripture that maybe they didn't resonate with the people in the public square in Rome in Paul's day, but for us 2,000 years later, we're still, we're still learning and growing from, this, from these sections. Well, it's also a testament to, you know, God's will and how he accomplishes his will as well. You know, I think of, you know, another biblical account, Jonah. Mm. Um 
Jonah wasn't aligned with God's will. He didn't want to do what God asked him to do, unlike Paul. But God still used some very interesting and strange circumstances by having him swallowed by a great fish to get him to where God needed him to be. And Paul, not knowing exactly where God needed him to be, found out that God needed him to be in prison to not only witness to the prisoners and to the guards there, but also to be able to have the opportunity to write the letters that he wrote during that time. Yeah. Although it strikes me as a little strange is that Paul seems maybe a little surprised at this. This is actually, you know, yeah. good for good. When in his letters to Romans, he's, he knows that, he states that, for all thing, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. So, you know, this happens after that, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if, oh, yeah. oh yeah, by the way, remember that thing I said? Yeah. It does actually work out for good. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that verse came to my mind too. And, you know, it's like God actually put into practice what I wrote. Right. (laughs) And Paul was a sinner just like the rest of us. And no doubt he had his doubts and worries and concerns. But uh, as he wrote in Romans, you know, God was going to work it for good. Um, What struck me is you both kind of mentioned this is, you know, Paul was always going, he was always working and always ministering. And all of a sudden he's under house arrest and now he has to write letters, you know, and um, obviously this was part of God's plan so that he could write these letters to preserve us. It never dawned on me that like, maybe if he wouldn't have been arrested and wouldn't have been under how, you know, had this opportunity to actually sit down for a while, you know, maybe he wouldn't have written these letters, but it was obviously part of God's plan. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, Martin Luther, you know, Luther was, was a prolific writer, but it was when he was, uh, when they, his buddies fake kidnapped him, you know, that's when, and he was in the castle at Wartburg that's when he translated the whole New Testament into German, you know, because he actually finally had time to sit down. And that's, he did it in like 11 weeks or something like that. So it's this like prolific work of translating the New Testament into German in the language of the common people. Uh, but pretty, pretty interesting parallel, I think, that Luther did a, a similar thing because he had to actually sit down for a while and uh, write, just like Paul did here. He had to write to the Philippians. He couldn't actually go there. He had to write them. And so we see in verse 13 that the furtherance of the gospel, is, it's become evident to the whole palace guard, you know. Uh, you wouldn't really think of, well, if I'm a prisoner, I'm going to, now I have the opportunity to witness to my my, my captors, to my guards. Um, but it's, they're all saying that all the rest of my chains are in Christ. And uh, Matthew kind of mentioned a little bit that interesting idea of my chains are in Christ, uh, my chain, confident in my chains, he mentioned a little bit uh, later on. Did you have any thoughts on, on what, what he means by uh, my chains are in Christ. What does that What does that mean? Uh, I asked you that question, but <laughs> some thoughts I had. It, it's just a, such an incredible testament to what the gospel is. That um, yeah, from an outside report or outside standpoint, he went to Jerusalem. He was uh, thrown to prison there. Waited, waited. You know, not doing all the things he wanted. And it feels like everything that happens, the shipwreck. The, Imprisonment and getting to Rome, being in prison, just one more thing stacked against him. And we see here, though, that despite all those things, the gospel succeeds. Mm-hmm. And it just overcomes and overcomes. And so I think that confidence then, his imprisonment, is a message to all the other Christians, all the other churches that, yeah, look at all these things that are happening to me. Look at all these things that should snuff out the gospel message, and it overcomes. And we know that 2,000 years later, looking back, of course, God's word is greater than any earthly force, any earthly authority. But in our own lives, too, sometimes, it's a great reminder that, yeah, when things are stacked against us, when it seems like the world is trying to snuff out our faith and our 
God, he overcomes. Mm-hmm. So I, that'd be my guess on why my chains is just one more example of how God demonstrates his own love that he, yeah, that, well, that passage in Romans that he's greater than everything. His love is greater than any authority or power. Yeah. You know, I think kind of too that I wonder if he's drawing some, you know, because he probably wasn't physically chained, you know, uh, being under house arrest. Later on in his second imprisonment in Second Timothy, he talks about how he was cold and he needed a coat. And, you know, at that point, he probably was chained. But at this point, you know, he's just under house arrest. You know, he's not, his life isn't threatened. It doesn't seem like. Um, so it probably wasn't literal chains. But I wonder if, you know, if he isn't drawing on this idea of, you know, my true chains are in Christ, right? That, that you know, my heart is chained to Jesus and my, you know, that's that's where my heart belongs is to Christ. And it doesn't matter what happens to my physical body, you know, even if I am in prison and chained, you know, my true, uh, my chains are in Christ, you know, that he, my heart belongs to him and it goes and follows where he wills and where he wants for me. And as you have mentioned, now this draws that confidence for everyone else following him, right? So verse 14, uh, the brethren of the Lord have become confident in my chains. Now they're, they're proclaiming the gospel. Now they're bold in his, in his mission because, you know, there might've been a moment when, you know, after Paul's arrested, if you don't think, boy, there's our leader and he's arrested, he's in, you know, he's it's all, you know, maybe even embarrassing that that's our leader, you know, the leader of our church here and he's imprisoned. Um, but actually the Lord has used that for boldness, you know, and I think we see that in many cases in, as we look at church history is as, you know, as the gospel is attempted to be squashed by outside forces, by the world, by the devil, um, there's a temptation to be embarrassed by our affiliation with Christianity or with Christ, but in reality, what what we see happening over and over again is when Christianity is threatened, that's when the boldness of towards the gospel really comes forth, and it's when uh, it's in the face of persecution, Christianity always thrives, and that's what you see in verse fourteen. They're bold to speak the word without fear, and I think that's my encouragement for both of you and for anybody listening today is you know let's be like these brethren and let's be bold uh, to speak speak the word without fear, you know, to speak the truth of God's word, what he has taught us, what he's proclaimed to us, because there's a lot of outward pressures right now for us to be embarrassed by our beliefs. You know, you, you know, people would say we should be embarrassed to condemn the sins that we condemn, or we should be embarrassed to proclaim the free gospel that Christ proclaims, or <clears throat> we should shut our mouths and not speak the truth of God's word. Um, but let's continue to do so. Uh, yeah. Let's speak the truth in love uh, without fear. We'll continue to be unashamed of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The Jeremiah who wrote that even if he wanted to stay quiet, his spirit wouldn't let him mm-hmm. just say it like that. My ch- it's evident my chains are in Christ. Paul writes that. Yeah, I'm here. You got me, but <laughs> not there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, everyone knows why he's there. Yeah, not, yeah. not for Caesar, but for, for God. Yeah. yeah. If only we could all be like that all the time. You know, yeah. when they look at us like, oh. That person is here because yeah. he's a follower of Christ and for no other reason. Yeah. Well, and Paul just said, too, that you know, the, his confidence was not in himself. His confidence wasn't even in his own faith. His confidence was in Christ. And that's, we have the same Savior as Paul yeah. did. You know, we can have that same confidence that when we, if and when we end up in a situation like Paul where uh, we end up in, in prison or in chain or whatever for the things that we uh, uh, believe and are taught by God's word, you know, let's be bold and let's be confident. Uh, no matter what outward pressures uh, may be foisted upon us, because our confidence is in Christ and all that he's done for us. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank and bless you for this brief time around your word today. Help us to be confident in you and your work for us. Uh, you confidently went to the cross knowing that through that sacrifice you would win eternal life for us. And because of that, Lord, now we can put our confidence in you. You are the rock on which we can build and help us to do so. As the world, the devil, and our own sinful flesh would encourage us to be ashamed or embarrassed by you, help us to take uh, comfort and support in you and to know that you are our strength, that you are our refuge, our rock, our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Which brings us to our weekly updates and reminders for today. Uh, the annual meeting took place this past Monday night, the annual voters meeting. Uh, Mr. Zach Lean was elected as our new congregational president, and Alan Omenson was re-elected as secretary. Uh, we also elected convention delegates who will be representing our congregation at the CLC convention this summer. Those two men are Mr. Jay Hanel and Mr. Bob Heller. Our alternates are Mr. Douglas Schaller and Mr. Paul Beatty. Uh, we also called for a second pastor at Emmanuel. Uh, we called Pastor Tim Daub, who's out in Hecla, South Dakota. So we pray that God would bless him as he considers this call uh, and the Lord would lead him to the correct decision, whether it be to come and join the ministry here or to continue his ministry out there. Uh, the voters also voted to finally sell a property that's down in Arizona that's been on the uh, to-do list around here since I've been here for the past seven, eight years. So uh, praise God that that property was finally sold. Uh, they also approved the 2024 budget that was presented by our treasurer and by the Board of Finance. So uh, they will come back with a final budget uh, at our next meeting. And then finally, the cemetery board presented on the future of the second half of the uh, Pilgrim's Rest Cemetery out there that has been leased out uh, for the past number of years and is expected to return to uh, our use in the future. Um, there's some different ideas about whether uh, we'd like to rent that use of the section out to uh, some recreational plans that are being planned out there or uh, if there's other plans that the congregation has in mind. Um, so that was kind of just presented to get the ball rolling and to get the thought process moving on what the congregation uh, would like to do with that, uh, with that property moving forward. Uh, the council reorganization meeting took place immediately following that voters meeting. Uh, so Mr. Kyle Hulke was elected as chairman of the council. Mr. Will Rucker was elected as the secretary of the council. And then each of the boards uh, elected their own chairs and secretaries. So the board of doctrine chair is Mr. Daniel Pfeiffer. Board of finance chair is Mr. Alan Omenson. Board of property chair is Mr. John Heinze. Board of Ed Chair is Mr. Will Rucker. The Whitewater Youth Trip is coming up this weekend, so we pray for safe travels for all attending that fun event for our high school and young college age students. Pray that God would bless them with a, a study of God's Word and a growth in their faith in that fun time. The Time and Talent Offering is coming up February 3rd and 4th, so please take note of that, especially if you are on any boards or, or committees that are looking for volunteers in the months to come. Please get those into uh, Mrs. Leanne and I as soon as possible. Ash Wednesday is coming up very soon, February 14th. We'll be going, considering the theme, Who Was Seeking Our Savior's Death? Uh, and we'll be looking at a series of different individuals who wanted to kill and put to death our Savior. The Cal Tournament is also coming up, so we'll have a save the date for that. Uh, that will be the weekend of the March 7th, 8th, and 9th. Hosting this tournament is our major fundraiser for our athletic program and requires many volunteers to help things run smoothly. Uh, please consider volunteering to help support our program. More information will be coming. As far as our prayer list today, we keep in our prayers Pastor John Hine, um, Marlene Hanel, Kate Zowers, and Jim Leon. And we pray on behalf of Judy Milkey, who was hospitalized once again following a fall. Uh, we also pray for Sherry 
Sherry Paulson, uh, who uh, is having heart surgery this week. I also pray for um, Linda Apple, who is having cancer surgery this week as well. Which brings us to our hymn of the day, which is hymn 429 in the Red Hymnal. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. I pray thee ne'er from me depart. With tender mercy cheer me. Earth has no pleasure I would share. Yea, heaven itself were void and bare. If thou, Lord, were not near me. And should my heart for sorrow break, my trust in thee no one could shake. Thou art the portion I have sought. Thy precious blood my soul has bought. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, my God and Lord, forsake me not, I trust thy word. Yea, Lord, t'was that rich bounty gave, my body, soul, and all I have, in this poor life of labor. Lord, grant that I in every place may glorify thy lavish grace and serve and help my neighbor. Let no false doctrine me beguile, let Satan not my soul defile. Give strength and patience unto me to bear the cross and follow thee. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, my God and Lord, in death thy comfort still afford. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom bear me home that I may die unfearing, and in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in lavish sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death awaken me, that these mine eyes with joy may see. O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my font of grace, Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer attend, my prayer attend, and I will praise thee without end. Amen. <laughs>